Welcome to another Calvary Baltimore B-Side with our senior pastor, Josh Plantholt. B-Sides are a companion to the weekly sermon, giving an in-depth look behind the teaching. And now with running commentary to complement this week's sermon, here's Pastor Josh. Welcome. Uh, Before we get going, uh, one of the adjustments uh, I want to make here for these B-Sides is... uh, adding some prayer requests and announcements, which I think would be, would be good. Um, so uh, real quick, uh, some announcements. Uh, Thursday Women's Bible Study is starting back up this week, which is wonderful. So if, um, if you're in Harford County, it's in Harford County, uh, and you are a lady and you would like to go to uh, the Women's Bible Study, uh, please check on Faith Life or when you're at church, uh, ask one of the ushers, the elders, somebody in uh, we can give you uh, the address and all that kind of stuff, which we typically don't put out online. Um, maybe it is, but I don't typically not. Uh, so you can find those things. So it's Thursday. Uh, I believe it's from 10 to 12, I think. <laughs> I need a slip. Uh, <coughs> also, really fun, uh, Harford County. Uh, so we, we have a lot of home groups throughout the week. There all in Baltimore County. Uh, so one of the things that we've wanted to do since we've moved up here is starting a Harford County home group. Well, we officially have two um, homes that are willing to, houses that are willing to open up and host one. So this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to have a Monday nights. We're going to do them from 6 to 7.30. Uh, and the reason for that is it's going to reach a lot more locals. And afterwards, if they want, they can go grab dinner. It's early enough. But really what's what's cool about ending at 730 is people with children uh, can still get their kids to bed in time for work or, you know, or get their kids in bed in time for school. So uh, now the way this is going to work, we're going to do it biweekly. We're going to do... Um, we're going to have one one week and then, you know, a pause week and then and then another another one. One's going to be in Bel Air and the other one's going to be in Abingdon. Uh, so one once a month in Bel Air, once a month in Abingdon, which works out to twice a month. Uh, I am presently going to be teaching both of those, which is really one just in two different locations. Um, and one week I'm going to... And what, what we're doing is we're going to go through the Gospel of Matthew, which I'm really excited about. So I, and that's my favorite topic in the world to preach through the gospel. So we're going to preach the Gospel of Matthew, uh, and it's going to start in June. Uh, and through the summer, we're going to keep it bi-weekly. And I believe once September hits, once um, school gets back going, I think we'll probably do it every week. Uh, but just while summer's on and everyone's, you know, it's family time. Kids are off from school. Uh, we didn't want to fill up all of our, you know, all that time. So that's the present plan. That's the plan. Um, just to keep you guys in the loop there. And I'll give you hard dates, uh, hopefully this Sunday. <coughs> uh, prayer request. Uh, Jolene Patey was in the hospital all night uh, with back pains. Um, they, they don't seem to be too worried about kidney stuff or anything like that. Uh, it seems to be really bad muscle spasms. Um, I have had those when after my surgery. They are horrific. Uh, so if you want to keep her in prayer, that would be really nice. And uh, the Woods family, Mark Woods um, uh, lost his sister-in-law on uh, uh, two days ago. So uh, just keep the Woods family in your prayers and we'll pray for them when 
uh, today's service you know, study concludes. So, uh, with that, welcome to B-Sides. Uh, today's text is Revelation 7. Uh, we're going to be in verses 15 through 17. Uh, and these are some precious, precious promises to the church. Um, Sunday's text was such a sweet text. Uh, but one of the things that are were in the background that uh, we didn't get into is that these promises are a seven. These saints, having gone through the Great Tribulation, are going to receive seven blessings. The list, the promises in our Sunday's text, in our text today, Revelation 7, verses 15 through 17, are, are seven blessings. First, they serve day and night in the temple. Blessing number one. Number two, the Lord's tab, the Lord tabernacles them. He shelters them. Uh, number three, they will hunger no more. Number four, the sun will not harm them anymore. Number five, the lamb is their shepherd. Number six, they will have springs of water of life. Number seven, God will wipe away every tear. So these, <coughs> these saints will be comforted and blessed in, in a, in seven different ways. And the point is, uh, all, all through Revelation, numbers have been very significant. Numbers have been very significant in the book of Revelation. And the number seven, uh, not only in Revelation, but all through the Bible, um, originates, of course, in the first seven of the Bible, in the seven days it took for God to make creation. Uh, and seven is a day, it, it means completeness or wholeness, sometimes perfection, but, but typically you want to think a complete or a total work uh, that's not missing any components there. Uh, and so here's the point. God is going to bless and provide for his people in a sevenfold way, in a whole way, in a total way, in a complete way that... When we are comforted by God, nothing will be lacking. When we are sheltered by God, nothing will be lacking. When God wipes away our tears, nothing will be lacking. The seven is deeply profound as we look at it, at, at, at what it means, not only with what each individual promise stands for, but what the number seven in its context stands for, which is the, the completeness of God comforting us. Uh, so really, really cool stuff. Uh, let's, let's jump in now, uh, all the way at verse 15. <clears throat> therefore, so of course, therefore, and, and when you read the Bible, you want to, you want to really look at every word. Therefore, meaning what? Everything that has come before it. The 144,000 and the 144,000. And of course, the, the saints coming out of the great tribulation, they wash themselves in the robe, uh, robe, uh, in the, in the blood of the lamb, the robes. Uh, but the therefore in chapter seven, uh, connects at the chapter six. So, in light of the seals, in light of the hundred and forty-four thousand, in light of the saints coming out of the great tribulation who washed their robes in the blood of their lamb, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. Interestingly, by the end of Revelation, there's no more night. Isn't that interesting? The 
here we are. We're we're about a third of the way through the bookish, and it, God, the promise to the saints is they will serve God day and night in His temple. But towards the back half of the book, God's going to announce that there's no more night anymore, <laughs> which is just kind of odd that that would be a promise here. But <laughs> but. Uh, so eventually, the, the saints in, in heaven will only serve God in the day because there will only ever be night. So that's something to to chew to chew on there. Um, and that could take us down a few rabbit holes, but nah. uh, and then we'll keep reading. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Uh, a Greek note here: shelter them in his presence isn't really the best translation from the Greek. What it reads is, is skenaho epi autos, meaning to tabernacle over them. What, what the elder is describing is as if God's presence is going to be so predominant in our eternity, it's almost as if he has put a tent around us and him. It's almost as if you want to think about the tabernacle in the wilderness. If God brought all of the host of Israel from out of Egypt and brought them into the Holy of Holies, <laughs> God is tabernacling, uh, tenting his people uh, the, my, my best my best personal mental picture for, for the uh, of this is sometimes me and my kids I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old both boys <laughs> and we have a little spaceship blankie that my my three-year-old sleeps with and sometimes we'll get the blankie and I'll put it over my head and we'll get a little flashlight and my two boys will see dad under a blanket and they have to know what's going on and they'll climb up on my lap and then we're all in underneath this blankie and it's hot because we're just trapping in the air. Uh, but we'll turn on the flashlight and we'll look at all the stars in the blankie uh, and we're just in each other's face. And in a way, in part, not totally, but in a part, that's what this means. God is going to enclose us with himself, to dwell intimately with us. If, if we want to think Isaiah's uh, tabernacle, maybe this is us in the glory cloud. God is going to surround us with his presence. You think about Acts chapter 2 and the sound of rushing wind and tongues of fire fell and descended, it tabernacled amongst God's people. If we, if we want to think about Revelation 4, maybe this is us basking in the light of his glory, that God's light is shining on us for the rest of eternity. We're surrounded, blanketed by his presence. Uh, if we want to think about the new Jerusalem, maybe that's the tabernacle over us. We are enclosed with God in his city. And of course, the, the, there is no more sun for the lamb is the light to the city that God's glory is going to radiate. The lamb's glory is going to radiate on us for the rest of eternity. But However exactly this plays out, what we can gather, if, if I can use a, a fancy word, what we can deduce is heaven is going to be a, an intimate relationship between us and God. There, there's going to be a deep closeness here. You know, we can think of heaven as us amongst a sea of people 
we can think of us around all of our loved ones. But one of the things that we also want to understand is, yes, we are a sheep amongst the flock, but also the Lord is my shepherd. There's an individual relational component between us and God. When, when we are in heaven with, with the Lord, it's not just that he's going to love us, it's also that he's going to love me. He's going to love you. There's, there's also going to be an individuality uh, aspect there. And of course we are. We, I, think, I think the best way to think about it is corporately, but uh, th there's also a very deep relational, intimate component here that we don't want to miss. Um, and here God is going to engulf us for the rest of eternity, tabernacle us. Now, also, also, if you remember from last week's B-side, uh, Revelation 7 draws heavily from Ezekiel 37, and, and really all of Revelation does in lots of different parts. Uh, and so does, uh, surprise, surprise, this promise, these uh, three verses here today. Uh, let, let's read it. Ezekiel 37, uh, verses 26 through 28 says, And I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will set them in their land and multiply them, and, uh, and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in the midst forevermore. God will shelter, tabernacle these people, the, the church, forever. And they will all learn that he, God, is their God, especially when they come and return with him riding on horses. Which, remember, if we remember Ezekiel 37, this these bones that God assembled and brought sinew and life and filled with his spirit were going to go into Israel and reclaim the land. And these people are going to return and reclaim the land of Israel, of course, fulfilling uh, portions from Zechariah, thus setting up the Millennial Kingdom. And so God is going to shelter these people and he will be their God and they will be his people and the nations will know that we belong to Yahweh. <laughs> and then, of course, the church out of the Great Tribulation, the people whom society had killed will learn that they belong to the one true God and they killed his beloved children. Verse 16 <clears throat> They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Verse 16 draws heavily from another Old Testament text. Uh, Isaiah 49. Listen to Isaiah 49, verses 10 through 13. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. Can you hear it? Can you, can you hear all the connections? For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Syene. I probably butchered that. Uh, sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt 
exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. I, I hope you see how similar these passages are to each other. But, but one of the things that I love about this Isaiah connection is that it tells us how to interpret uh, Revelation 7, verse 16. This removal, this removal uh, for the church of hunger and thirst and sun and scorching heat is going to be because God wants to comfort his people. He's going to want to comfort his people. And this applies to us as well. Of course this applies to us. God wants to comfort his people. And when we get into heaven, God is not just going to remove the curse from us because it's a good thing to do. God also loves us and has compassion on us. And he wants comfort. He wants to comfort his people too. Our God is a good and caring God, and he cares about our anxiety, and he cares about our personal anguish. He cares that the sun scorches us. He cares that we thirst. He cares that we hunger, and when we get into heaven, he will comfort us in a sevenfold manner, a complete manner, a total manner. Uh, a manner which leaves nothing to be desired. A manner with which there is nothing lacking. Now, <clears throat> I want to put on... I never do this. For those of you that are catching this today, you're watching history. Oh. I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat for just a moment here. I, I, I really, I don't really do this much... Uh, and I think this is the worst way to look at Revelation, but um, I don't think it's e wrong either to sometimes think what if. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if you build build your study of Revelation upon speculation, it's the worst structure to build this book. However, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to think about what if. Okay, so these things haven't happened. It's okay to think about these things. So I had a thought. I had a thought. Tinfoil hat time. Uh, th this promise of not being scorched by the sun it, is interesting to me. Now, I, I think at a strong possibility, what I think probably the most appropriate way to break this down is the sun, the scorching sun language is, is probably a picture of slave labor. Um, you know, the promise to the church from the Great Tribulation is that you will no longer be sun-beaten. Uh, and I think if history is consistent, what happened to the Hebrews when uh, a pharaoh came up who no longer remembered or knew Joseph? They forced the Israelites into slave labor, into being sun-beaten in Exodus. Uh, think about the Jews in Germany. Uh, they were used for slave labor. Think about the Russians under communism. One of the first things communism uh, did in Russia is it, it took all of the Russian priests and clergymen and used them uh, for labor because they had unfit minds to do anything important, is what they've decided. 
so one of the things that I think we can easily deduce here is that Christians during the Great Tribulation will be used for slave labor. I, I think that's um, historically, uh, historically consistent. I think that's biblically uh, consistent, and I think that's probably what that's referring to. No longer beaten by oppression and, and big evil government, which is a big theme of this book. So my thinking about this promise is of no more scorching heat, no more thirst. Uh, heat may be showing us what the end times church will have to endure, and that's probably outside slave labor. Now, I think that's the most obvious connection here. However, tinfoil hat time. Uh, I wonder, here's a thought, here's a thought, and don't make a doctrine out of this. Can you tell I'm nervous? Don't make a doctrine out of this. I wonder if a type of global warming is in view here. Uh, maybe, maybe in the end days, right, be right before the return of the Lord, maybe the earth heats up in the last days, thus making outside uh, the, 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 the earth's climate brutally hot. Uh, which would explain some of the famines that's happening in this book. Or what I think is probably even more plausible, double tinfoil hat time. Uh, however, I have a scriptural basis for this one. Remember in the sixth seal, in the sixth seal in chapter six, it says that a part of the sky vanished and rolled up like a scroll. Now, obviously, if there is no atmosphere, we all die. So... I don't think, uh, everyone kind of is like, what does this mean? Is this, this has to be symbolic. Here's one of the things that I wonder. Here's what I wonder. I wonder if the sky that is rolled up, remember tinfoil hat time, don't make a doctrine. I wonder if the sky that is rolled up is the ozone layer. And the sun, now because there is no firmament, so to speak, this protection, this ozone layer, maybe the, maybe the earth isn't necessarily hotter, maybe a little bit, but maybe the sun is more brutal on the earth in this time. So my thinking is that the earth may go through a time of global warming, but not because of some carbon emission or human pollution and, you know, I'm going green, don't, you know, don't, no, <laughs> but that God, removes our layer of protection in the sky as a judgment. Uh, and this is, again, just a, a little speculative thought. An interesting uh, coincidence here, the lowest place, this is fascinating to me, the lowest place on planet Earth that has the least ultraviolet light penetration in the world is in southern Israel. If the world's survival is predicated upon escaping ultraviolet light because people are just being cooked and fried and plants can't exist or whatever, the land of southern Israel will be the most greatly desired place in all of the globe. So really fascinating. That would set up quite a lot of things we see with Gog and Magog and the Battle of Armageddon. Um, so... Maybe. Tinfoil hat, I know. I normally don't do this kind of stuff, but just something to think about. Uh, verse 17. <clears throat> if anyone thinks, uh, I don't know, 
If, if you, that's jiving with you, let me know. But it's just a cool thought. It's an interesting thought. Uh, verse 17. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. He will cancel our tears. I love that. As we close, when Jesus is described as a shepherd in Revelation, almost always he is destroying evil and killing dragons and wolves. Just he, he is smashing evil. Psalm 2, he's breaking them like clay pots. Jesus, as shepherd, uh, often in this book, is as a protector. And that's a huge theme in this book. But, but also, and we don't want to miss this, you know, I, I think... I think the human mind is so limited, and I'm speaking for myself too, of course. Um, I think the human mind is so limited that it's so much easier for us to say, this is the parameter that God works in. You know, we want to put people in groups. We want to put God in brackets. We want to put our thinking in categories that are neatly defined. And so we, we can tend to look at Jesus as the good shepherd in Revelation and put him as the slaying dragons, killing evil shepherd. But God doesn't fit in our human man-made little boxes here. There's also the component of the Lord is our shepherd and he's tender and compassionate and caring. And one of the things that that's different about the shepherd theology in chapter 7, is it shows us the tenderness, the comfort of the, of the, as the Lord, uh, of the Lord as our shepherd in this passage. And here we see that Jesus, though he can crush the wicked, uh, Jesus here also comforts his sheep. He shows us as a comforter here. And, and, and here we see the tender care of Jesus towards his sheep, towards us, towards the church. In, in, in a sevenfold blessing, he, he promises us, he's telling us that the Lord, he will comfort us, he will care for us, he will love us. And I love that forever and ever. Uh, this passage is the inheritance of God's people in Christ. And of course, this is why the elder, right before he gives us these sevenfold blessings, he makes sure we understand who these belong to, that the sheep of God's pasture. Who are these who are worthy? Who, who are these who have come out of the great tribulation? John says, oh, you know, sir. And, and he says, those who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, it is those who have put their faith into Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that receive these precious promises. But when we look at these precious promises, what are they? Well, Isaiah told us how to frame them. Comfort. Those who have put their trust in the cross will be sevenfolded comforted. <laughs> we will be comforted totally, completely, without lack, without 
diminish without need, without wanting. We will be completely and totally comforted by our good, good God who will tabernacle his people. And that's what we need to see here today. I love you all. We're done. <laughs> Coffee break. We're going to pray, but before we do, do you notice I'm, I'm fixing my bookshelves here? I got too many. I got, it's, it's, it's a problem. I got more books coming on the way. I got books on my desk. I got books over here. Got books over here. It's, it's not, not good, but I'm reorganizing so I can, you don't have to look at my hot water heater. <laughs> uh, anyways, I love you all. Let's, um, let's pray for the week and uh, get going here. God, we love you. We, we praise you. We, we thank you. Thank you for all you have provided. Thank you for all that you are providing. And thank you for all that you will continue to provide. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your comfort that not only is present for your people now, is present for your people forever. Thank you that you are this way. Thank you that you are the comforter. God, we, we pray now for uh, the Pades and Jolene that you would comfort her and uh, God, if this is indeed uh, just a back thing, that you would calm the muscles and, and tendons and nerves in her back, that you may give her rest from this trial. And God, if there's something more going on, do not let this tarry for days or weeks or months. Let them find out specifically what this is. Uh, and quickly, God, we pray for Mark, of course, who was with her all night in the ER, and, and Josh and Hannah, who you know, their kids, and obviously concerned. God, give them peace about this. Be be with them profoundly. And, uh, we we also pray for the Woods family. Uh, they, they, you know, Mark lost his sister-in-law. So, uh, ne never easy. Never easy. God, give them strength. Give them encouragement. Uh, uh, in some way, shape, or form, God, let this be a way that Mark can share of our faith in Jesus Christ. And give hope to those who are mourning. God, we thank you for the passage that you have given us this week. Uh, God, we pray that you would put write it on our hearts. God, let us understand that we have the good news, and part of the good news is comfort. You have given us the good news of great joy and comfort. So let us go out and look for ways to comfort people with your precious promises, that if they would wash their robes in the blood, they too may be comforted forever. And so put, put your words in our mouth, put your words in our, in our heart and our mind, and so fill us with your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. I love you all so much. Uh, I'll see you Sunday. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this Calvary Baltimore B-Side. If you'd like to get in touch or come visit us at Calvary Baltimore, our website is calvarychapelbaltimore.org. You can email us at calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you've been blessed by today's teaching and would like to donate to the work God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. Until next time, keep drawing closer to God through the reading of His Word. And join us again for the next Calvary Baltimore B-Side.